Good evening. Today is Monday, June 28th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step 11, and our speaker tonight is Jeff H. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, yeah, my name is Jeff Harpin, and I am a uh, compulsive overeater and uh, kind of a triple winner. I've been sober for 34 years, abstinent for six and a half, and I'm a newbie in Al-Anon. And that's probably one I needed just as long as the others. But um, I would like if, if the group doesn't have any uh, objection, I'd kind of like to touch a little bit on step 10 as well as step 11. Is, is there any objection to that? Yeah. And I love those readings, especially the gender neutral uh, readings. When I read those in an AA meeting, I always make them gender neutral. And it's always fun to watch some of the grizzled old codgers, you know, shake their heads. Uh, but if the big book was rewritten, it would be gender neutral. So to heck with those guys. Um, I'll just qualify just a little tiny bit. Uh, as I mentioned, I sobered up in uh, 1986. Uh, and the reason that that's significant is that I have a real addictive personality. Uh, I quit smoking uh, and then I stepped up my drinking about by a factor of about three. Uh, and then uh, my wife forced me into AA. And I didn't like that, but I got my revenge because I liked it. The very first meeting, you know, I thought this is it. I found my place. Uh, but here's what happened. My sobriety date is July 23rd, 1986. And the beginning of my compulsive overeating is July 24th, 1986 without even realizing it, I just switched from one addiction to another. And for 28 years, uh, I binge ate, you know, I did all the yo-yo dieting. I probably did the low carb diet under about 12 different names. And every single diet I was ever on worked just fine until I got down to a weight I was satisfied with. And then it just seems like the weight comes back on about three times as fast as it comes off. So. I'm sure a lot of you can, you know, can relate to that. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, I was in really bad shape. Uh, AA saved my life, but OA saved my life when I was even closer to death and made it worth living. Uh, yeah, I weighed 360 pounds when I came in. Uh, my diabetes was totally out of control. Uh, arthritis was just killing me. And, uh, and, you know, I managed to uh, find a, well, a, a really tough sponsor, you guys, some of you know, her name Marla, found me at my second meeting, and uh, took over and man, is she tough. I'll tell you another time just how tough she is. Uh, but she's also the most wonderful friend I have uh, right now. So, um, Anyway, that's my, that's my history. And, uh, you know, I've studied this big book for many, many years. I started uh, being a big book thumper in uh, 89 when Joe and Charlie, the original big book seminar guys, came to Des Moines, put on their seminar. Uh, and it was clear to me uh, that, that it was a textbook. Prior to that, I had always read it as a novel. I still am of the opinion that the big book is the worst novel ever written, but it's the greatest textbook ever written. Probably, I think probably saved more lives than any medical textbook in print. 
So um, I especially like uh, steps 10 and 11 because those are the growth steps. Those are the steps that keep us sober, keep us growing. Uh, and I've always been a proponent of reading pages 84 through 88 on if not a daily basis, at least four or five times a week. Uh, and I started asking my sponsors to do that. Uh, and, you know, what I noticed, you know, when I was doing it was that when you read something by rote every day, you begin to kind of speed read it and lose the, the meaning of it. So I thought, you know, I would put together a study guide uh, that, you know, I was just going to use myself. My study guide was just footnotes and uh, and underlining and notes in the, the margin of my big book. And I was trying to explain that to one of my sponsees one time. I realized no one could decipher my big book. It's fallen apart. It's, you know, it's in terrible shape. So I typed up some guidelines and I just want to go through those as quickly as I can. And if anybody would desire to have these guidelines, you know, I would be happy to uh, email them to you. So anyway, I'm just, just going to read these. Uh, suggested tips for effectively studying pages 83 through 88 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, note at the start, these are the guidelines I use in studying steps 10 and 11. They are only suggestions for my sponsees and friends. These tips are entirely of my own invention they help me to study the text rather than just read it by rote. I do not mandate their use. I have copied these pages from the book and you will note that I have revised some of the text to be more similar in tone to the language of how it works. I toughened it up a little bit is what I mean. Suggestions became directions. So on the attached copies and the attached copies I'm referring to are copies of 83 through 88. On the attached copies, you'll find references to the footnotes shown below. I start my daily study with the ninth step promises. On the attached page of 83 and 84, I've numbered the promises 1 through 11. And uh, so footnote A, which is at the start of the promises, is if we have completed step 9, we should be enjoying most, if not all, of these promises. As I read each promise, I ask myself if I'm still enjoying this promise. If I find I'm not enjoying one or more of the promises, I ask myself why. Uh, why I'm no longer, why I no longer have that, because I once had it. What's going on in my life or what am I not doing that I previously did to uh, get those promises in the first place? The answer and the remedy can always, always be found in pages 84 through 88. Now the footnote B that I'm referring to is on page 84 in the paragraph that starts, this thought brings us to step 10. Uh, the instructions for step 10 are underlined on page 84. In order to avoid a superficial reading of these instructions, I stop and ask myself some questions. I think of this as reviewing for any of my 10th step triggers. Uh, the triggers may vary for each person. These are just mine as an example. I add to them on an as-needed basis. I ask myself the following questions. Am I currently mad, sad, disappointed, afraid, or in self-pity, or ashamed of some action I have taken or failed to take? If I answer yes to any of these triggers, I try to identify the cause. The 10th step can clearly be seen as the practice of steps four through nine uh, on a daily basis as needed. 
Uh, and the proof of that is uh, continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. Step four. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. That's step six and seven. We discuss them with someone immediately. Step five. And make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. And that's steps eight and nine. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. And then love and tolerance is our code. And then we get those 10 step promises. So uh, over on page uh, 85, uh, after the 10 after the, uh, step promises, it says, uh, you know, the book says we can continue to enjoy the ninth and 10 step promises so long as we keep in a fit spiritual condition. What does a fit spiritual condition look like? I try to describe that. You know, I make a list and I add to it as, as needed. The fit spiritual condition is being free of selfishness, dishonesty, resentments, anxiety, fear, self-pity, anger, inconsiderate behavior, disappointment, disappointment due to expectation of others, uh, and guilt and shame. On the positive side, if I'm in a fit spiritual condition, uh, I'm thinking of and helping others. I'm being a kind and caring person, being of service to the fellowship, praying and meditating on a regular basis, factoring, uh, practicing love and tolerance, even with people that piss us off. Uh, and uh, this description is not static. I add to it as I think of new things. So on page 85, uh, I've got a footnote D that uh, starts on the paragraph, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action. Uh, on page 85, the book warns us what will happen if we let up on the spiritual program of action. So, of course, it is very important that we understand what constitutes our spiritual program of action. This will vary by everyone. Uh, everyone will have a different list. So everyone's list is going to be a little different. And this is another list that's going to grow over time. Mine, as an example, is a spiritual program of action for me will include attending meetings regularly, accepting service positions at meetings, sponsoring and being sponsored, staying current by living in accord with steps 10 and 11 uh, and extending the hand of friendship to all newcomers, even if they appear unlovable or try to isolate, making phone calls to members who are feeling down, calling people who have been absent from meetings for a while, remaining honest, open-minded and willing to grow, et cetera, et cetera. You get the idea. Uh, Footnote E starts on uh, the paragraph that says, much has already been said about relieving strength, inspiration. Uh, the last full that last full paragraph promises really good things if we follow directions, not suggestions. Uh, this refers to working steps one through 10 in accordance with the instructions and directions on the previous pages. There aren't any shortcuts. Uh, so footnote AF, we're getting to the 11th step now. Uh, the 11 steps covered on pages 86, 87, and 88, and this is crucial information. Three types of prayers, actually four types, but three types of prayers are described for sure. One, that end-of-the-day inventory prayer and examination. The second is the uh, awakening uh, day prayer that starts at the bottom of, uh, or in the middle of page 86, 
Uh, and then there is a prayer that, that we say after we've meditated. That's over on the middle of page, uh, uh, the middle of page 87. And then I throw in a fourth prayer because there's that prayer that it suggests when the, when the wheels come off during the day, we do that prayer of asking our higher power uh, for help. What would he have us do? What would he have us be? So um, at the end of the, that end of the day prayer, that inventory, uh, I'm going to use a form that a very dear friend of mine uh, named Vicki C developed this form. What she has done is she's taken the seven questions uh, on page 86, expanded those into 12 questions. Uh, and, and the 12 questions are as follows. She has also uh, made these questions in the first person. So question one, was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Two, do I owe an apology? Three, have I kept something to myself which should be discussed with another person at once? Four, was I kind and loving toward all? Five, what could I have done better? Six, what did I do for others today? Seven, did I say or do something out of fear today? Eight, did I reach out to another in recovery? Nine, how did I work on my relationship with God today? Higher power, if you choose to use that instead of God. Ten, where was I in awe of God or higher power today? Eleven, what did I do well? You know, this is where we get to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Uh, Twelve, did I drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection? Uh, if I had a little more time, I would go into that in a little more detail uh, and use the Webster definitions of those things. So uh, after making this review, you know, if we've come up short in area, any area, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray to HP and I'm going to ask him, you know, what corrective measures I should take. And usually it's back in the 10th step. So then at the end of this, uh, I list my gratitudes. Uh, you know, I list uh, everything I'm grateful for. Now, I do that every night. Now, obviously, there's repetition. I list, you know, my AA program, my OA program. Uh, you know, all those things I'm grateful for, my Al-Anon program, my sponsors, my friends, uh, you know, all of that. Um, and, you know, then I list, you know, my OA program, the same thing, my Al-Anon program, the same thing, uh, my family members, same thing. I mean, my dog, my cat, my, you know, everything. The fact that I have a car that runs and is paid for, uh, the fact that I have a house that's almost paid for, and that I have relative financial security, all of these things, you know, uh, and I list them every doggone night. And it's amazing how often I find something that I can add to that list. And I'm telling you, by the time I get done with that, you know, I usually do it right before bedtime. And when my head hits the pillow, I'm usually in a pretty good mood. I'm not dwelling on, okay, five minutes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Leslie. Um, I'm usually in a pretty doggone good mood. Um, so what I want to do is just as an example, if I can find any of these damn things. Uh, I push papers around here so much I've sort of lost uh, track. I'm just going to give you an example of uh, 
of my inventory from uh, June 6th. So I was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Well, no, not that day. Do I owe an apology? No. But I kept something to myself, which I should discuss with another person? No. Was I kind? This is almost too good a day. I should have picked a different one. Uh, was I kind and loving towards all? Yes. What could I have done better? Taking a nap. Because <laughs> I was falling asleep at a meeting. Uh, what did I do for others today? Uh, well, you know, I guess this was after I did a talk in Scottsdale and I, I did send out the 10th and 11th guide and, and the 12 and the 11 step form. Uh, did I do or say something out of fear today? I didn't that particular day. Did I reach out to another in recovery today? Yeah, I reached out to an AA friend of mine in Los Angeles that's been going through absolute hell with his daughter who's a heroin addict. And uh, the reason I was able to help him is because years ago, my daughter was a heroin addict. And, uh, you know, I was able to give him good news that there is hope. You know, she's a solid citizen today. So uh, how did I work on my relationship with God? Well, I prayed and meditated a couple times. Uh, where was I in awe of God today? Well, I'm in awe of, you know, what happens in AA and OA, and I believe that's divinely inspired. And I'm in awe of nature. I look out my back window at my bird feeders and, uh, you know, the bunnies, the squirrels, the chipmunks, all of these critters. And, you know, I just enjoy the hell out of nature. Uh, what did I do well? I stayed out of depression and loneliness. I reached out to... Uh, I, uh, the wife of a dear friend of mine that passed away. Uh, he and I worked together many years ago and he came back from Vietnam sir, after serving his country and was never quite the same, you know. Uh, and so, you know, I listed those, uh, uh, those things that I was grateful for. I'm dealing with a whole bunch of medical issues this year. Uh, and I'm grateful for the doctors I have and the nurses I have. Nothing I have is life-threatening. Uh, and uh, uh, what, what else did I want to say there? Um, and, you know, and I've had some crises this last year, too, uh, domestically with my wife of 44 years that might soon be not my wife and some other issues that I'm dealing with. And in every single instance, uh, no matter how upset I was, and boy, believe me, I was upset, really upset a number of times. The 11th, 10th and 11th step pulled me out of that. One night I was sitting in my den, so mad, so upset that I thought the top of my head was gonna blow off, I really did. Uh, and all of a sudden a thought popped into my head what would you do if one of your sponsees called you with this same issue? And guess what? Bingo. I, you know, I went in the back in the kitchen, got my big book off the shelf, uh, did some reading, uh, did some praying and studying, did the 11th step and it went away. I was able to sleep and the next morning it was gone. So, you know, I'm a solid, solid believer in 10 and 11 and my time's up. So, uh, Hopefully that made some sense uh, and I'll pass. And if anybody has any questions or anybody wants these forms, I'd be more than happy to share them. Oh, that would be great. Thank you. 
so much. I'm gonna Jeff. I'm gonna put my uh, phone number and I'm gonna put my email uh, in the chat. And if anybody wants the forms, just send me an email and then I'll attach the forms to a reply. I love that'll it. Thank me. you so much. That'll for save me from that. trying to figure out a group email. <laughs> oh yeah, and then you don't have to collect anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome! Thank you, Jeff. Um, okay, now we will open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? Um, and I'll also say, you know, if someone poses a question, Leslie, maybe we'll give the speaker three minutes to fully answer it um, as well, if that sounds okay to people. So go ahead and then raise those hands, if you guys. Thanks, Victoria. I'm actually going to jump in because Jeff, um, first of all, um, I want to say that with your permission, if you send that document, I will post it on the resources section sure. of our website. And Certainly. then I also wanted to ask you a question. Well, it's not really a question. It's more like you mentioned about going into the Webster definitions. So I would like to basically pass you my three minute share time to uh, go into that if you'd like to. Thank okay. you. Okay, I hope I've got these handy. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm no, so that's sorry. okay. I think I, I think I I they're in my notes for when uh, I was talking on the eleventh step uh, on Kim's meeting. So. Um, well, I will just take one second while you're looking and say that I really appreciated that you called steps 10 and 11, the growth steps. And then also how you said that the things that you wrote, the reviews, the triggers that you went over weren't static, that you add to it as you learn and grow. So I hope that gave you time to find it. And also I wanted to make that um, comment. Yeah, uh, well, for one thing, uh, you know, what, one of the things we want to avoid for sure in doing this process is that worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. And, you know, we can, I mean, I, I can't speak for you guys, but I can get into that, you know, when I'm feeling a little blue. Uh, and that's definitely what we don't want to do. So uh, worry is defined in my dictionary as to be anxious and troubled. Um, uh Remorse is defined as a torturing sense of guilt for one's actions. Uh, morbid reflection, having or showing an interest in gruesome matters. And, you know, morbid. We don't want that. You know, we want positive answers to, uh, you know, to get out of this, <laughs> you know, to feel better rather than feel worse. So uh, that's why I think the gratitude uh, list is so important. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, would anybody else like to ask a question or share? Uh, I see Elena, your hand is up. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Elena, compulsive eater and exercise bulimic. All right. So, Jeff, uh, I really um, appreciate the way that you share straight from your life. And um, that really helps me identify in and um, and I, and I just wanted to thank you for that. 
So you said a whole bunch of stuff. I took a lot of notes. Um, so my question is, I've been doing 10 and 11 now religiously for, you know, a, a pretty good period of time. And I find that um, it's become kind of like this mundane thing that I have to do at the end of the day. And it feels wrong when I'm doing it because I feel like I'm not really connecting or I'm not, you know, there's just something wrong with it. But now that I'm hearing about, you know, don't get into worry, remorse or morbid reflection, right? So um, have you ever gotten in a place where you're like, okay, this is just one more thing to do. Now I have to fill this inventory out. Now I have to do this and just, just to be compliant, but really not like having my heart in it. And that's yeah. just so out of integrity for me. So how would you, how did you deal with that? Well, I think that's a, that is a great question, I think. And that is the primary reason I put together this study guide, because that's precisely what will happen when you do something over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, brain will fool you into saying, you know, I'd rather watch TV than do this, or I'd rather just hit the bed a little early to do this. And um, if you religiously do this, you know, you, you will get the benefit of steps 10 and 11. And I'm just like everybody else. I, you know, if there's a shortcut, I'm going to try and take it. And the shortcut usually leads to the edge of a cliff. And mostly I'm able to turn around and avoid that. But yeah, sometimes I feel like the roadrunner, you know, falls way down to the bottom. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, and anybody that wants the forms, uh, if, Amy, if you will be willing to, make those available, then I only have to uh, email them back to you. And that would really be great. And you can happy to do it, Jeff. I will, uh, I will uh, get in touch with you and I'll oh, that would that. Be super. Thank, you, Thank so you so much. much. Did that, did that help Elena? Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, you for the question, Elena. And thank you, Jeff. Wendy, I see your hand is raised. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I'm Wendy S in New York. Um, Jeff, thank you so much. That was really uh, wonderful. And, and I, I ditto the fact that um, when it comes from your real life, I can really identify in. Um, and I have a question for you um, to kind of pass the rest of my time to you. Would you expand a little bit more on what you do in the morning and throughout the day and how oh, sure. long? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you know, that's a great question because I just uh, talked about the uh, nighttime inventory. So, yeah, uh, on page 86, you know, toward uh, about uh, two thirds of the way down, the, you know, the big book starts talking about the awakening for it. Uh, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking not to suggest, <laughs> direct. Uh, we ask God specifically to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. And I think that is incredibly important. And note that the first thing Bill warned us against was self-pity. I don't know about you, but boy, I'll tell you, when I wake up some mornings, you know, I'm like a computer that defaults to a certain printer. I default to self-pity. Oh, poor me. I've got to do this. Oh, poor me. That didn't go my way. 
And that's the one thing, that's the worst possible thing we can have, I really think, because uh, there's no way out of that. You know, we're just going to wallow and wallow and wallow in it. You know, I used to say I would jump off the 10 meter board and right into the big ocean of self-pity and then just swim around in it all day, you know, and not get anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, self-pity, that, that is to be avoided at all costs. And of course, dishonest or self-seeking motives. He's telling us all through this book to be honest and to be less selfish. All through it, different ways uh, in every, seems like every chapter. And the way that we achieve that is to work all 12 steps. There's absolutely no way to avoid a spiritual awakening, which I, uh, I identify with less selfishness. If you work the steps the way they're in this big book, you can't avoid that. Uh, and so, you know, then he goes on to say, in thinking about the day we may face indecision, we're trying to think about, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? Uh, and sometimes it's like, should I do this thing that in the, in the back of my mind, I know I probably shouldn't, but it would be more fun. Or should I do this thing that might be more helpful? Uh, and here we ask God for inspiration. And then that's where, you know, when you ask your higher power, what do you think I ought to do? You know, an old friend of mine in AA used to say, when I have a decision like that, I will, uh, I will say a sentence and put God in it. And he would use an extreme example like, uh, my wife pissed me off. Should God and I go and slap her around? You know, and obviously he never, he never did that. So, you know, but he brought God into every decision. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you for the question, Wendy. Um, Jen, I see your hand is raised. Go ahead. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Jeff. I'm Jennifer Boykin, and I'm a, a grateful member of OA. Um, thank you, everyone, for the sharing, and Jeff especially uh, for what you shared. I, too, am a very long-term member of AA. I so appreciated your, your part, like your sobriety date, and the next day was your first day of compulsive eating. Um, but if I'm honest with myself, my compulsive eating came long before the alcoholism because I decided, you know, that since my father died of alcoholism when I was a child, I was going to be anything but that. Um, so it was, it was okay to be all the other things, just not that, you know, and I really thought that overachieving, uh, getting straight A's, that that was the way to protect myself from it. And then I found out, well, I'm just, you know, a first in my class alcoholic. And, um, but I do find like that the 12th step in my recovery is so difficult. And as a person who's been sober 31 years, but it been abstinent just days, um, I can say that, you know, this part where, you know, it's just, I don't want to stop all the things I'm doing. <laughs> you know, I just feel like, oh, I've given up so much. You know, and so I love that your part about the self-pity. You know, it's so easy to rest on our laurels. And you had mentioned, I think, crotchety old timers. Like, God save me from old timers, including myself. <laughs> because in AA, more than any other program, I know this is an OA meeting, but this is how it relates. Because OA is not like this. Like in AA, so many of us who've been sober 
31 years, you know, can say, well, as long as I don't take a drink today, I'm a winner, you know, and whatever. So it's okay to have affairs and cheat on your taxes and not be employable and cheat on your employer and, you know, steal from not repaying money, but I didn't take a drink today. And, you know, I, I ate, you know, 17 whatevers. Um, and that's not really the kind of, whatever other people are doing, that's not the recovery that feels good in my life, you know, today. So I'm on vacation. We're here to meet our first grandchild. It's the first girl in um, 36 years. My daughter died my second year of sobriety. And so, so I'm triggered a little bit by this being a girl baby since my husband and I had six sons, uh, three each. You know, a little bit of stuff like that is going on. And um, yet, you know, I'm calling in for a meeting and blah, blah, blah. It's all a miracle. It's just that as an addict, a lot of it hurts. Yeah. So. Yeah, when anyway. I first came into AA, uh, there's a AA club in Des Moines called the White House. It's called that because it's on Pennsylvania Avenue and it's a great big white house. So. That's cool. <laughs> but when I, you know, when I came in, uh, there was this attitude by the old timers, like sit down and shut up. You don't know anything. Yeah. And, you know, I did that. Luckily that wasn't my first meeting. And I, you know, I didn't enjoy that very much. Uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, honesty is so important. And, and, and in OA, you know, people say, well, it's so much harder. It's so much harder because, you know, in AA, you know, it's just alcohol. And in OA, it's, you know, maybe a lot of things. Well, but here's the thing. Here's a way to look at that. In AA, you absolutely can't drink alcohol. You just can't do it. You can't enjoy it in any way, shape, or form. In OA, you can still have meals that you enjoy. You know, I tell my sponsees, uh, in the six and a half years I've been abstinent, I have never once been hungry and I have never once had a meal I didn't enjoy. So what the hell have I given up? You know, uh, really not much. Uh, so I think that's important. I mean, I think it's important to know that uh, uh, it's, not, it's not a veil of tears. You know, it, this, you can have a happy OA program. 